0: You've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast, where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely. I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world, all 195 of them, while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers, chat with fascinating locals, and even take the show on the road from time to time. I'll also be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram at travels. You can join our Facebook group, also called Lovely Travels, and learn more about us at the website, www.lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Welcome back to the Lovely Travels podcast. I'm your host Emma Lovell, and I'm joined by my delightful co-host Darius.
1: Hello, you're the delightful one.
0: Stop it! I'm lovely. You're delightful. It's
1: true, delightful Darius. <laughs>
0: um, so we're a bit like we won't talk for too long today because we talked a lot on this episode. Uh, we had a big one. Yeah, we had a Mitchell friend um, reach out, first person to email us. Um, she was a known person to us and then emailed us, um, first listener and that made us super excited. But this listener, Millie has a very cool lifestyle and a very different lifestyle to ours. And so we welcomed her onto the show to, to tell us all about it.
1: Yeah. She grows sheep and farms lentils.
0: (laughs) Yes. So like proper, she taught us like Australian words, like just that whole outback lifestyle that, you know, and yeah. sheep shearing and just, just things that we, us city slickers don't really get used to. And um, I think it was it's something that I wanted to do on the podcast is it's like travel is about exploring places and meeting people and, uh, you know, just getting to know cultures that aren't your own. Mm-hmm. And that can happen within your own country
1: hundred percent. Yeah, and and I think Millie was a great representative for for life uh, a little bit out back, and um, she seems to be having a great time there.
0: Country life, country gal. Country life, yeah. Well, let's let Millie tell us her story because it's pretty cool, and, um, yeah, we'll catch on the end. And so that's a hint, everyone. If you uh, live in a cool place, do something a bit different, you're in a place that we haven't covered yet and you would like to share your story, Just send us an email, info at lovelytravels.com, and let's have a chat.
1: Yep. We look forward to hearing from you soon.
0: And here comes Millie. Super excited to have our guest here today, Millie Carter. Hello.
1: <laughs> Hi, Millie.
0: <laughs> now, actually, Hi. Now, I wanted to start with a different question, but I'm going to start with I'm going to throw you both in the deep end actually uh, and say, well, how do we all know each other?
2: Oh, well, I know Darius from primary school yeah. in Cronulla in the Sutherland Shire. I can remember Darius being the German kid. At the Shire <laughs> Primary School, um, accurate, accurate. We were pretty. We were pretty little, maybe six, like age yeah. six, or yeah. yeah. So did he have a funny accent? I'm 32 now, so. um, no, I don't <laughs> remember you having an accent, Darius. I I do remember them trying to make you speak German occasionally, or or like read a German children's book, child's oh, book really? out in the front of the class. Yeah, that's one of my earliest memories of us going to school together but um yeah that's that's how i know you and then i think Ugh. i know you emma from mutual friends through high pretty, school pretty so sure bit, we had a mutual boyfriend a bit later oh really we have a mutual ex-boyfriend oh i don't think <laughs> i even knew that <laughs> <laughs> we do it was
0: scandalous we're all connected a very it is very there you um, go. Uh, what do you call incestuous yep.
2: This little uh, triangle oh, well, it's, here. You know, it's really lucky that we all got out of the shire. Yes, I guess is the moral of the story. Just get out <gasps> of the yeah, shire, so. <laughs>
0: because so, everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows everybody's business. Uh, so mm-hmm. yes, but we share. You no, know, Millie and I share a dear friend, Catherine, who well, Darius also shares that friend, Catherine. Simo, Simo, you Hi, got to mention.
2: <laughs> i like
1: give shout outs to simo like every week and she never calls oh. in writes nothing
2: no not like you millie. well she better after this episode i'll tell you why. exactly
0: yeah. but then maybe it's like this thing where if you write in you get on the episode
1: so oh yeah just, yeah
0: just write in and get on the episode so uh so millie was our first she's our, this is our first listener <clears throat> interview so welcome this is a new segment um is a bit fun but we also Mm -hmm. wanted to have you here because you live somewhere pretty cool and you live a pretty different life to well certainly to the Australian life that Darius and I have had because you live on a farm but tell us where do you live geographically?
2: So I live on a farm in a place called Serviston which is in Victoria in the southern part of Australia we're very, very close to the South Australian border. There's a highway that runs from Melbourne to Adelaide in South Australia, and we're just off that highway, about halfway along that. So, um, yeah, that's that's where I live now.
0: On a big, a big property,
2: a big, big property. So, so we farm um, four thousand eight hundred acres. Um, I believe acres are still used in some places. If you're more into hectares, that's 1,900 hectares. So it's not quite like it's not station country or anything. It's, it's broad acre dry land cropping land generally and grazing. Like, so a lot of so big words. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of a big like to give you a visual a visual picture. It's very, very, very flat, very open, um, not a lot of, like, mountains, no mountains, no rivers nearby. There's a couple of national parks that are quite, like, scrubby, the little desert national park. We're about two hours away from the Grampians in Victoria, Mm. which is where we grew up. Is a bit more like the Blue Mountains, I guess, would be the closest thing. So, um, but, yeah, it's mostly just a lot of big, wide, open space. So classic Australia.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Classic Australia if you live out
2: there. (laughs) Yeah, although it's really, really green here. Um, We have quite a good rainfall, um, which is why we can do dry land farming so we don't irrigate, we don't need to pump water or do anything like that. Um, We're just relying on the rainfall. So this time of year spring is just so beautiful because it's just vividly green everywhere as far as the eye can see. I mean, obviously the seasons fluctuate, like we've had some droughts and we've had some um, uh, like wetter years, but I think overall we've been really lucky to have a really good run of of good seasons back to back. So it's just so beautiful here. It really is like nothing else. I
0: love it. That's um we'll, have, we'll we'll get some pictures of you for sure to put on the um on the Instagram oh, and things. Yeah, I'd love but, to. Um, yes, my uh, my next question to you was where are you from? But we already covered that off. You're from Sydney. So <laughs> quite quite a different life to what you live now.
2: Pretty pretty different. Pretty different. Um yeah, I grew up I grew up in the Shire in Sydney and moved to a place called Downs, um, which is really small, like north of Carnival to work for a racehorse trainer um, when I was 18 for a gap year after high school, um, which was pretty nuts at the time. <laughs> like looking back, <laughs> looking back, it seemed a bit, you know, crazy and stupid. But when you're 18, you feel you feel grown up and you feel ready to move out and go on a big adventure. So that was that was my big adventure. I was packing up my car to drive halfway across Australia for a man I'd never met. And, um, and now I'm stuck here forever. Drum, don't listen to this Don't But Yeah. <laughs> no, not stuck here forever. Choosing to be here forever. and so it's, um,
1: at, yeah. at 18, like you mentioned, the gap year, like a lot of, people that we all know, and most of, well, both of us, I think, Emma, um, you know, think of the gap year more as like, oh, you know, travel to, to Europe, travel to somewhere, Asia. What made you, or why did you choose to do it in Australia rather than
2: right. overseas? Well, I mean, I, I just never really had that Europe bug or, or anything. Yeah. I, I didn't want to... I, I didn't want to be a backpacker and I, I knew Australia was just so beautiful. I'd seen some parts of Australia but I really, I was a pretty horse mad kid and I, I mm. wanted to spend a year working with horses and learning about horses and I actually really wanted to be a jillaroo. Um, so I applied for I don't know how many jobs. I think I had something like 35 consecutive job rejections. I don't know if yeah. I was just applying wrong or people didn't want to hire an 18 year old girl from Sydney like so can't ride can't hack it can't make it so you have to
0: tell us what a jillaroo is as well like it, because people will be listening me, it's like not a kangaroo a
2: jillaroo <laughs> a jillaroo um a jillaroo is the female equivalent of a jackaroo and a jackaroo is someone who does work in the outback on a very big station, like some of those stations can be the size of Sydney or bigger, like or the size of some countries in, mm. in Europe. They're just huge. They're completely isolated um, and you work cattle or you do big droving runs or whatever, but like work horses and live on the land out there. And I, I just really wanted to to do that, have a big adventure and prove myself that I could work with horses and, and do that. Um, but, you know, that wasn't the path that was meant That was meant for me. I was getting pretty desperate. I think it was getting to March and I was still in Sydney um, and I was, you know, just thinking, gosh, this is just never going to happen. And I broadened my search context for job ads and I came across a job ad on the internet. I'll never forget it. It was only two lines long and it said, horse person wanted at Caniva Victoria. And I was like, great, I <laughs> want to do horse stuff, so that's me. Person. So I, I'm a horse person, so it didn't say anything about racehorses. And I think if it did, I wouldn't have applied and I wouldn't have gone because of the reputation around racing stables. And they can be, um, you know, not, not the safest places for young girls and especially girls okay. from Sydney who you know, didn't know anybody. So I was pretty wary to go somewhere like that. But um yeah, I applied for this job. And then I remember getting a phone call from Daryl, Daryl Dodson. Hi, Daryl. He's racehorse trainer. Um, hey, he rang me at like, he rang me at like eight o'clock on a Friday night. And I think I was out with girlfriends and, and he was like, you applied, you, you applied for a job. And I'd applied for so many jobs. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. And and he said, and you, so you want it? Like you want to apply for this job? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, he said, well, I've only got a couple of questions for you. Um, like, have you got guts? You know, when you fall off, are you going to get back on? Do you think you can move out here for a couple of weeks and see if you like it? And then you can stay. And I just said yes to everything didn't really know what i was signing up for but in my head i was like oh victoria how lovely that's so much closer than queensland or the northern territory or <laughs> the top end of wa i'll be able to go home on weekends you know it'll yeah. be like a nice <laughs> little adventure and i said yes to this job and then i got home and actually looked at a map like looked up canova and i and it was like way over the other side of victoria near the south australian border and i was like oh my gosh this is a lot further than i thought but you know i was Keen and I was going to do it, so I packed up my car and um, yeah, moved moved out here. Like started the drive. I was really lucky. My grandfather, who since passed away, but he drove with me um, oh. to get to help get me settled. And that was a really special trip. And I remember when we got to Horsham. So Horsham in Victoria would be like our closest big town or like regional centre city. Um, it has a population oh, I've of about. Heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> it has a population, no, I, I'm not surprised, but it has a population of about 16,000. So, and I remember when we first drove through Horsham, I looked at my grandfather and I said, Do you think it will be bigger than this? And he said <laughs> he, looked at me and he said, No, Millie, like where you're going, there's not going to be a traffic light. There won't be, like, there might be a pub. There won't be. You know, any kind of shopping, or anything like that. Sounds like, like the really... actual
0: future where we're going. We don't need roads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you that's do. right. You got horses. You don't need roads.
2: So, <laughs> um, and so, and I remember getting pretty shaky at that point and thinking, "Oh, what am I doing? Like, this was a bad idea." But, um, but anyway, I got out there. I met Daryl, and I was just—I think I was just so lucky, or was just one of those things that was meant to be for me to find my feet at Darrell's, and he took me and I lived in like workers quarters there I was known the girls who work out there are, are called strappers in the industry if you work with racehorses so people were a little bit confused um, back home I think some of them thought I was a jockey or doing a jockey apprenticeship but <laughs> to to start a jockey apprenticeship you've got to be around about 48 kilos and I think at my lightest I would be you know, back then when I was 18, I would have been 57 or 58 <laughs> kilos. So, and I'm I, like, I'm quite tall. So there's just no way in the world I was Mm-mm. ever going to do that. Um, mm. So no, but we would train, train the horses. So I moved out there and part of my every day would be, yeah, just working with horses every day. And I just loved it. It was the most magic place. I think I think when I first moved there, honestly, everybody thought I was on drugs because I just kept looking at the sky and saying, "It's so beautiful! It's so beautiful! <laughs> the sky's so big! Everything, it's, such, it's amazing!" I just, I just love it here, and, and I think I was a bit unusual, like being from Sydney and
0: yeah, city again I mean, Daryl, country, yeah,
2: and I mean, Daryl tells me now he was like, um, you know, he said, "You just." you weren't a very good horse rider, <laughs> which was pretty crushing to my ego. But but spending a year there, I learned so much. I got to break in young horses and work with some more difficult horses, really grew me as a person and a rider. And to really, like, mm. go into the world of full-time work as an 18-year-old, to mm. not go straight to uni, um, yeah, I only had one rule from my family and that was that I had to come home after a year, so that was the rule. Like you can go, but you have to come back and then study. Um, so, yeah, I was so lucky, but I just loved it. It was just the best, best, best year, the best fun, the best thing to do. I would just encourage anyone who is thinking about it to, to take a gap here in Australia and go and do that kind of work, and especially if you're yeah. horsey. I know a great place.
0: Oh, yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and do you own horses now?
2: Um, I have one horse now, (laughs) um, working in the racing industry, you see, you see a lot of hard, a lot of hard things. Um, in Australia, I think we're geared towards training very young horses. Um, and building them up to be sprinters, not stayers. It's very hard on their body there. Mm. Some of them are only one when we start work with them. So their bones aren't fully developed, let alone their heads mentally. So like a great race really like a human athlete is is two things. I think it's mental, but it's, I mean, sorry, it's physical, but a big part of it is mental for them and they've got to have the right heart and the right temperament. So it was really just like working with with these baby horses and teenagers um, mm-hmm. to get them racing. And sorry, what was the question? I think I was I was, like, do you do you, do you, do you like to have a horse
0: what now? <laughs> a oh yeah. Sorry, this should be a really
2: <laughs> sorry. This should be a really simple answer. Sorry. <laughs> so um, yeah, like I would see all these horrible things, and I would think, can I can I actually work in an industry like this? Um, you know, that treats racehorses like disposable commodities. Like I love horses and I hate I hate seeing them as soon as they break down, just, you know, it's like that's it, move on, next one, bring the next one in, we've got to get the next champion and and they really were treated just so um, expendably. And in my head I said, okay, I can do this, I can do this for a year and I'm going to do the best thing that I can for these horses while I'm here. And Daryl was wonderful. He's an amazing boss. And and a very talented trainer and was very good at um, at not pushing horses too hard while mm. keeping the owners happy as well because the owners ultimately are the bosses, like it's their horse. And, and if you're not going to train it as a two-year-old, they're going to take it somewhere else to train. So, um, yeah, so working there I said, look, I can do this, but one day I'm going to give one of these horses a good forever home. Mm. Um, and there was a horse out there. It was a great horse. He, like, had a beautiful heart. His name, his stable name was Kenny. Not the best looking horse, I must say. Like, he was never going to have an after racing show kind of career or anything, but he was so sweet. These horses, like, talking about them, like, yeah, they've
0: got this, you know, what's your future ambition
2: uh, for your horse? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And. Absolutely. And we would talk about them like that because, you know, if there was one with a bit of looks, we would think, oh, this one surely could, you know, go on to do a bit of eventing or showing or this one may have maybe potential TV as work. a or Yeah, Is TV, it? you know, potentially, maybe. Yeah, Mr. Edge so. presenting, yep, the new age Maybe, oh, gosh. I wish there was more stuff like that, but it's a pretty small industry, I think. But yeah, but I said to Daryl about Kenny, I said, "Look, if this horse ever needs a good forever home, you call me. This horse goes nowhere. He deserves a good home. He puts in his heart for racing, and he's just a real sweetheart." So Darrell rang me one day and said, "You know, Kenny's finished racing. He's had enough, and he needs he needs his forever home. You want him?" So Kenny's with me forever. Much Yay, to my husband. Kenny. Um, I'm not sure my husband feels the same passion for horses and Kenny, but because he loves me, he's happy to have Kenny out in the paddock. So, yeah, so we have Kenny here as my forever pet at the moment, but I haven't been riding a lot in between kids and pregnancy. And, um, yeah, he's really just a pet, but I just love him. He is so special.
0: We love Kenny too. Well, so, yeah, so then after all that, um, after well after your one year we're now quite some years mm. since then but you now live on a farm so how did you come to live on the farm because you so you went back to Sydney oh. and then
2: <clears throat> came back. well yeah like it, it's it's kind of a longish story but I mean living here um when I first moved here I I knew that I would have to find a, a bible study just for my mental health and to keep myself afloat and to find a group of like-minded people who could pray for me and help me. So I found this really great Bible study um, in town. It was the Caniva Women's Bible Study Group. And I think I was the youngest one there by maybe 40 years. <laughs> I don't know, but I used to go and they were all very grandmotherly and I really loved it. And they, um, they kind of kicked me out, which I was pretty sad about. They were like, <laughs> nice. they were like oh, it's nice. They were, well, they were like, it's nice you want to be with us, but you should really be with people your own age so I was kind of like a bit hurt I was like oh okay thanks (laughs) we liked hanging out but they put me in touch with um the Carters which is obviously I'm a Carter now so I married one of them but um my father-in-law Graham Carter he's a lovely lovely man and his wife Judith, really special people um they have four kids of their own um they also um were helping raise three of their nieces and nephews who were orphaned a few years before. So they kind of had like seven kids around mm-hmm. about my age, like at the at their dinner table. And they would have me over for dinner once a fortnight. And um they were they kind of became like my family while I lived here. So I was really lucky to have them. I would fall off a horse or have a bad week or something, get a concussion or whatever, and and they would be the ones to you know, see if I was all right and casual have over for dinner or weak, yeah, fell off a horse, got a You know When you get a
0: concussion, like you know, it's not a, a job friend. without
2: risk, <laughs> yeah. You need a friend, so um, so when I was 18 and living here, then one of their kids, um, Travis, now my husband, I think Trav was. 16 when when we met but we were really just friends. and he (laughs) was uh, (laughs) well actually and I give Trav a hard time about this but um he actually didn't talk to me for two years I reckon he was I said like I used to come to your house and have dinner you didn't say two words and he said I was just so terrified I was so shy like you were you know (laughs) so pretty you were so pretty and you would come to my house and I was still like at school I was a high school kid so um so we didn't really talk that that much, but um yeah, so I was I was friends with the Carters and I went back after a year. I kept I kept my part of the deal with my parents and I moved back and I started a Bachelor of Fine Arts and a Bachelor of Arts at UNSW and COFA um for painting and drawing and English literature, which I just loved. And I did a first my first year of that, and then but I was really, really, really missing something. I just had that itch in my heart to get back to this place and and ride those horses and feel that adrenaline rush. Um, mm. There's a really great proverb, I think it's an Arabian proverb that says, um, the air from heaven is that which blows between a horse's ears, which is just 100% true. Like If you felt that rush where you, you're going over 60 k's an hour and the wind in your hair and like you know, half a ton of beast underneath you, like surging forwards. It's it's just an incredible rush, um, and there's no feeling like it. And I I sort of tried to describe it to friends, like it is a bit like a drug addiction. It's really hard to to give up that feeling for good. Mm. So I rang Daryl and said, you know, can I can I come back? I want to come back and do a bit of work in the the summer break because I mean, you guys know, with uni, you get these insane summer holidays oh it's just it's just mental so um yeah I came back to ride and um Trav and I kind of got together then like unexpectedly he he was just finishing year 12 he was you know had grown up a bit he was going to stay on the farm and be a farmer and well like actually I wasn't really you know I didn't really think of him that way I definitely didn't come back here with an agenda or or anything like that. But I remember talking to a good friend and saying, you know, I'd been single for a while and I was saying, oh, I just, you know, the kind of guy I want to be with, I think, you know, I think he'd be like this and actually look like Travis. Like, And my friend's saying, I think you like Travis. And I'm like, no, 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 not <laughs> Travis. Someone someone like Travis. Like Travis. Like Travis <laughs> someone exactly like him like but him. not <laughs> just exactly like him but not. But someone not who talks him. to me too. Um, yeah, <laughs> someone who talks to me, someone who actually, you know, wants to know me and whatever. Because uh, Yeah, so that was really good. And then when I saw Travis, it was a bit of a lightning bolt moment or whatever. Cool. And so, Love on the phone. Yeah, so it's like, father wants a wife, the real
0: version.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I kind of give Trav a bit of a hard time about this sometimes because I say, like, he is just the hardest working person I've ever met in my whole life and he's so passionate about it but honestly he would just never leave the farm and I said how are you ever going to meet anyone like did you yeah. want to get married <laughs> or do any of these things he's like oh it's just easy you know someone some point my... and
0: yeah bring me some, <laughs> some suitable women that I can put yeah, through or, random <laughs> chores and, and choose them for my wife what? It's the most successful um, uh, reality franchise, isn't it? Like to actual I know. relationships it, yep. and families staying together.
2: Yeah, it Round really one. is. And they have a lot of babies. and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, a that's concussion.
0: A if you can't, you're off.
2: Oh. oh, that's a bit of a worry. And that's really not in the farmer's wife criteria no. but um, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So then I came back, like I came back to uni, obviously I didn't just, throw uni away and we we dated long distance for three years and oh, wow. which is pretty full-on and like a big shout out to anybody who's doing long distance dating during COVID or whatever like it sucks there's nothing great about it it's it's right. just a real hard slog and um I mean there were great great moments and Really lucky because we got to see each other so much because of those big uni holidays. So mm-hmm. I could take off and ride horses and earn a bit of money while I was here and see Trav, and he could keep working. So it worked. It worked really well. And then, yeah, I finished uni and you know we got engaged and, and married, and here I am on the farm. Wow.
0: I'm I'm on the farm. <laughs> yeah, a that's
2: story. it. Yeah. Oh well. It must be hard, like
0: you said. Like for farmers, it is harder. Like it would have been hard on you because you would have had to do a lot of the travel. He would not necessarily have been able to come to Sydney as much as you could
2: go there. No, although he did, he did to his credit, he did come a fair bit actually. And to his parents' credit, you know, like he they would give him any time off that he wanted, and because he's in a he's in a farming partnership with his dad. He's like a ninth generation farmer or something, I think. It's really like crazy. It just runs in the blood. See? So, But he was so great. Um, yeah, he was allowed to come. And And looking back on it, it would have been so much weirder for Trav to come from a town of 120 people to come to the Shire for the first time. Like his Gosh. eyes just must have been like yeah. saucers. Can you can you even imagine what he wrong went through? With
1: these people.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: pretty pretty much. That's exactly <laughs> what I was like. like, oh, it's like, like going yeah. Away. It's like oh, it's like real. <laughs> no. yeah, 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 kind of parts of it. Like he was like, I just can't believe people, you know, are so obsessed with how they look or you know, yep. like to, to see <laughs> yeah. that totally objective um opinion from him um yeah but But like like
0: not all of us
2: (laughs) no there's so many great people from the shire so many great people they're on
0: this call Um, right
2: now yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like when I was out at Darrell's for the first time Daryl said to me I remember I'd been there maybe a month or something and he said Millie I gotta tell you something if you're If you're here for more than three months, you'll be coming back here for the rest of your life. And I remember thinking, (laughs) whatever, old man, like you don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm just doing my year and I'm getting out of here. And he said, no, it's something about it. You get the sand in your boots and you feel it. And and I think we've actually talked about um, or we've joked about there's quite a few wives in the district who've come because they came to work at Darrell's and they've ended up marrying local farmers. Like I think there's four or five of us around yeah <laughs> was just
1: racehorse and, and
2: wife <laughs> yeah Warium. that's it yeah that's <laughs> it hi daryl thank you <laughs> so good so um
0: that's yeah amazing well i love stories our uh, first podcast love story i think um uh, oh, yeah exactly yeah so i have a question us. oh okay sorry. sorry you go
1: i have a question <laughs> i'm actually terrified of horses
2: oh what can I, mean, I do
1: to stop to stop being terrified?
2: <laughs> well, I think just exposure. You know, like find someone who loves horses, someone like me who knows a bit about them, and and can introduce you and explain why they're the most amazing creatures in the world because they're they're really really special. I mean, like dogs dogs are special because you know, like man's best friend and whatever you can train them with food and they'll follow you around and but to have a great working relationship with a horse is, is more like a dance you know like you can't win a horse over with food and you can't you can't get a horse to do what you want by being a total pushover and you can't get a horse to do what you want by being forceful and aggressive you actually have to have a level of, of horsemanship where you confident and can take them to that place of confidence as well where you understand how they move and can anticipate what you're doing and they do the same for you like when you have that relationship with a horse they can they feel you like I think I really believe like when you put your hand on a horse like you can feel their heartbeat and and they can feel yours as well so you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been on a horse and, and my heart started racing because I'm getting a little bit nervous or a bit anxious. It might be a young horse. And I'm thinking, I don't know how this horse is going to react in this situation. Maybe, you know, a lizard's going to jump out from behind that bush over there, or that wind is going to flap that branch a certain way. Cause they can be quite flighty mm. right. and, and I get nervous and, and you can feel the horse getting nervous because you're getting nervous. And, and I think the best the best best horse people that i know can take places can take horses to that place of of confidence and um and understanding like yeah when you see a horse working beautifully like that it's just full on magic and they're so you know you can move a horse with just one finger like they're so sensitive like if you you know touch them on their hindquarter or somewhere in their foot or you know they feel every Every movement, every fiber, because they're 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 um what's the word I'm thinking of? They're not predator, they're they're prey, so they they're very aware of being you know like hunted or watched Mm. or cornered or and they're very expressive and they all have personalities and yeah they're they're really special. They're a special animal. It's amazing to
0: see people working with them, and I was in Mongolia last year, Millie, and you you would just love it, like. The way they work with the horses. And they're like, they've got these like six year olds and seven year olds, and they race these horses. They do this like, um, I think it's like a 20 kilometer race. They do this long distance race. And he's got this tiny little dot of a kid just up riding this horse and going so fast. And it was just, I, I got emotional. They came over the line and I was like, oh my God. But like, we would just, we would just be out. Were driving through the wilderness and there there are no roads no roads yeah and we just pull up at this campsite and there's this kid about nine all the men are standing around but this nine-year-old is like herding the cows on this horse and he's just yet yeah, just maneuvering this horse like it's like as if he's walking you know the horse is just yeah. moving with him and all of them they just, they just leap on the back like no they don't have a saddle anything that just the relationship they have with these horses and they let them free as well they just the horses yeah. go off and graze and then they're just like you come here we're doing work yeah. and they just jump on it's wow. absolutely oh, fantastic. beautiful and we did two days on a horse and I it yeah. hard work yeah we did two days on <laughs> horseback bloody hell never have the pain in the thighs and the back and the The knees, your knees, because your knees are fixed in the same
2: spot on a long ride. It's 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 real, right? Like for mm -hmm. for the number of times someone said to me, like, "Oh, don't you just sit there? Like, don't you just sit there? Like the horse doesn't." Like, oh man, hold on. (laughs)
0: And in the movies, you know, like you know, they just people they just go. Somebody can just ride, and it's like that is BS. It's absolute Mm -hmm. BS that anybody could just go oh, we need to go on a full-day ride to get from here to there. Here we go. And they're just fine sitting on the horse. It's like you would be in agony, mate, after like an hour and a half. But no, no, they're sitting on the horse overnight riding along. I'm just going to gallop now. You're like, that is so scary doing that.
2: Actually, I have a story about that. Like my – I mean, when Trav and I got married, like I was so horsey, but Trav is not horsey at all. Um, And I – I said to him, I can't believe I'm marrying someone who's never ridden a horse. Like this just doesn't seem right. So he said, we went on our honeymoon to the Great Ocean Road and he said, that's totally fine. I'll fix it. We'll go horse riding. So oh. on our honeymoon, we went We went horse riding. Trav jumps on a horse for the first time. And this is just so Travis. He's just good at everything he does the first time. He's really athletic mm-hmm. and balanced and calm and he's good with animals and he just got on this horse and could just do it straight <laughs> away. And I was like that is so not fair. Like, I've been doing this my whole life. but And they started um, cantering along the beach and getting a bit of speed off. And Trav had this great natural seat. He was really relaxed. He was sitting up tall. He wasn't like grabbing at the reins too much. And he looked like he was going just great. He, it kind of did look like a movie. And then afterwards I said like, that was amazing. How did you do that? And you were going so fast and it just looked beautiful. And he said, I had no control. I was absolutely terrified. I just kind of <laughs> sat there. And like, it was just so much harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was just going to sit there, but like I had to use all these muscles, and I was just trying, like, concentrating so hard on not falling off. And I was like, oh well, that's you can't it. be good at you can't be good at everything. So, yeah. but, but to good. Fair, made me feel better.
0: What Trav does, and I've seen photos, and we'll have to put some up, is he wrangles. Oh hundreds of sheep or let's say thousands <laughs> of sheep like just maneuvers these sheeps and shears their wool off so maybe get yeah it's not so crazy when you have to wrangle sheep all day.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, he is pretty fit and, and anyone who's done a little bit of shearing or seen shearing knows how, how physical it is, how physically demanding it is on your body. Um, it's, yeah, it's a pretty full on thing to do. And, and Trav is a little bit unique in that he shears all of our sheep that we have on property. So most I th- I'm pretty sure it's fair to say that most farmers around here would pay shearing teams or shearing contractors to come in and do their, like, big shearing, but um, Trav, being Trav, kind of like his dad, they've always done it themselves and Trav learnt from a really young age and, and he just does it. I don't know how. I tried it once and I said, oh, my goodness, if I was going to ever do that again, you would have to pay me $50 per sheep. Like, that's how hard it is. But I think the current going rate might be, $3.20 or $3.30 per sheep. Um but it's actually really good money. I should do I should do a bit of a shout out. Like if anyone is looking for work, honestly, the best trade you can do is shearing. Go and learn how to shear. You'll have work all year round. You can travel Australia, you can travel New Zealand. The money's great, like really good experience and yeah, a lot so of fun. So how many
0: sheep can he shear? Cuz there's like competitions and stuff. Like this Yeah, is cool. yeah,
2: they do like yeah, they do speed shearing competitions and it depends on the sheep, you know, like not all sheep are equal. So some little crossfed <laughs> bred lambs have like wool that can just kind of like fall off real quick and just like buzz, buzz and, you know, off it comes. But I shouldn't say that. It's, it's hard whatever you do. But then other sheep that are really, really big or really wrinkly or have a really big wool flip, they're <laughs> a lot harder to shear. So um, I think Trav, oh gosh, if I get this wrong, he's really going to be super (laughs) embarrassed but um I think the most he's shown in a day is 200 oh my god It's a lot of shape but they yeah I remember when he did his first 100 and that was a big deal like you kind of build up and like some guys there's some guys who you hear about they can do 200 every day like back to back or 300 or some have even done I feel like some have done four hundred in a day, baby. Oh gosh, someone will have to email in and say if that's not right. If there's any Shearers listening, yeah, we could get the, the
1: the angry sheep fans of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comedy.
2: yeah. So
1: it's going to be our
0: cool audience right moving forward. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have at least one hundred and twenty listeners after this because the whole town's listening, yeah. right? <laughs> I
2: know. I know. I really know that. I was saying yeah, to a to girlfriend, and I was like. Oh, hi, Sebastian, hi, <laughs> Um hi, town. Yeah, I was saying, you know, I'm going to be on this podcast and it's a travel podcast and I feel a little bit out of place on it because obviously we don't travel a lot. Like this lifestyle is um, like we're here all the time. Trav doesn't get any annual leave. That's not really how it works. You can't just <laughs> the tell the sheep. sheep. like. Off. <laughs> No, like, you can't (laughs) say to the sheep, like, okay, you guys will be right without food for four or six weeks and we'll see you later, you know. Like, we can go away, but it has to be really well planned Um, and, yeah, a lot of planning and a lot of work to make that happen to go away. But I feel like with COVID, it's really highlighted some of the amazing things about our lifestyle. Like, in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways, life hasn't really changed for us. Like, Trav's still works every day on the farm and absolutely loves what he does like and you would have to love it because it is so so demanding um Mm. and 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 I can't even imagine working like that every day and then you know imagine working like that and then at the end of the year it says okay you don't get any money this year for that work like just Mm. because it didn't rain at the right time or a natural weather Mm. event takes out all your crops or something Mm. like it would absolutely shatter you, which is why mental health so so big and so important in the bush, like a hundred percent. And men in particular, like living in these isolated places, doing the hardest work in the country, um, going through the hardest things, they really do need to reach out and talk and and know that they're not alone in those things. So yeah. thank um, you for bringing that up. Yeah.
0: and and but you have had a challenge during this time, and that because you mentioned you're on the Victorian South Australian border. And Australia, unlike some other places in the world, like you look at the US, they've got 50 states, they've got 50 borders, but um they haven't they haven't closed off borders the way Australia has. And so you've had that that challenge of you live on your property is on a yeah. border.
2: Yeah, and, and that was really, really tricky and really stressful. Like I can't tell you how much sleep we lost over it. Um, like I work in in border Town, before i had kids i worked at an accounting firm as a receptionist there and i just loved that work and a lot of our communities over there like my gp's over there i go grocery shopping over there i got a lot of friends over there i take my kids for kinder gym over there swimming lessons everything and then to just be told that you can't go there anymore for for any reason like and i said my my son is an asthmatic and we we've had to take him to the hospital over there before in the middle of the night um like it's the closest hospital and I said to the police you know what if what if I need to what if he's not breathing and I need to get over there and and you know some of their responses were really astounding like they say oh well I guess it just depends who's working that night and you probably won't get to Adelaide Hospital if you need to um you'll have to go the other way and for us the other way is towards Melbourne and with their COVID cases, we don't want to do that. And that's so, so, so much further for us. Like Melbourne is, Melbourne's about five hours by car, um, but Adelaide is three hours or three and a half. So I've had all my babies in Adelaide. We've had really great medical care there for when they had some, like my births were all a little bit different and had a couple of medical issues. And so to be able to access that level of care in that city there and have that support network and then to be told that that, not an option for you because we live two kilometres this side of an invisible <laughs> line was really tricky. But thankfully at the moment um, it's opened up again a little bit. So we're, we're classified as what's called a cross-border community member. So to be a cross-border community member, I have to have a COVID test every seven days. So I had my seventh test oh. today um, and we get a text message every week saying that it's negative. <laughs> And then we can we go through a full police check um, each time I want to go grocery shopping or something. Um, sometimes they search the car. Sometimes they want to see all the rates notices. It for what? For people. Um, yeah, for, <laughs> the yeah, for people, yeah, for resources, yeah. I honestly don't know, like, but we've sort of found we have a we have a sheepdog um, that we love. His name is Rolly and he's less than one. He's only seven or eight months old. He's a short-haired border collie, and he had an accident early in earlier in the year. He broke his leg, and he ended up losing his leg. They had to amputate it, but oh, we've sort of found. A, Every time that we go through the police checkpoint with Rolly, the police just melt and they just love him. So I said to Trav, "Let's just take the dogs; like they're on the back <laughs> of the Ute, and they always get a big pad And, yeah. yeah, like the police are always lovely. Like I cannot fault them, but it's a big um, it's a big stress factor every time you have to go to work or do something. You know, yeah, just really your everyday it. business.
0: So we've had it here. I'm in I'm in the border bubbles, so we're I'm in Queensland. Um, and we've got New South Wales we're very close we're half an hour from the border and it's just something you take for granted I went to pick up my brother from the airport and I just didn't even think but the air the motorway goes into New South Wales and then back into Queensland to go to the airport so I had to go through a police check and I didn't have my pass ours is just a pass um so I had to like oh, yeah. call someone from the car like Lucky Technology and get them to do it online and get it to emailed to me and then hope that the police would accept it because they'd been doing this big thing about you had to have it printed. So I'm in the car having a panic attack thinking we're going to be arrested, I'm going to get a fine, I'm going to be like, I'm not going to get my brother, <laughs> like, I'm a like, oh, all I wanted oh. to do was just have a nice weekend. And um, he got in the day before they shut the border mm-hmm. down again. But it was just, and the cues and, and the resources to have the police there all the time and the SES. and uh, But some people are doing it every day. You know, that was me going, whoops, my bad, I don't do it if I don't have yeah. to do it. I only go down for, like, I have one appointment over the border. That's it. But otherwise, people are doing it every day, going to school. Their kids are getting anxiety from, you know, I can't, and you would probably have the same, going to the shop, you know, trying to go to the shops yeah. that they usually go to. And it's just, you just don't think because we're so used to driving in that road. Uh, and Australia is such a big country that you're so used to being able to just go. I'm so absurd
1: uh. that it's, like that they're making such a big fuss out of it, like within the same, yeah. like the different states are all doing their own thing, like. Yeah, because
0: Europe's kind of just crazy. gone, we're on summer holidays.
2: <laughs> to yeah. Uh, pretty pretty <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, so my brother's actually in Sweden and, yeah, they have a totally different approach over there. Like yeah. I was telling him what I go through and he's like, oh, it's just life is normal. Like he works in a restaurant yeah. and he said it's all good, like he's got a job, his partner um, studies, she's a chemical engineer and and they've just all, you know, been able to have a great summer and do these amazing things, Um, rock climbing and sailing and, you know, eating out at nice places and and I'm like I can't even get a takeaway cup of coffee right now, like it's so Mm. full on. But, I mean, that's the good thing about being on a farm though, like I feel like we're kind of, we're not like self-sufficient, but you know we have a really beautiful veggie garden. Everybody was getting on mm. this like make our own bread kind of thing, but we already make our own bread. And, <laughs> You're like like I have, come on, i have been doing this for like
0: twelve years. Like, oh, give it a chance. Like,
2: you know, I mean, not by hand. Like, I have a bread. I have a bread maker, but like we have chooks so that fancy. lay eggs, and and we have our own meat off the farm, and we have, um you know. Like, so much space and so many good things. Uh, mm. Yeah, life is good on the farm during lockdown. I'm so glad lockdown. to like I'm and, it, and work has so continued. Grateful.
0: And you've been able to yeah. still, you know, make a living.
2: Um, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, people have to eat. Like, we are the big prime producers of the nation. And, and I, I feel like it's a real... And and I was probably one of these people when I first moved here, where I was like, "Oh, you know, farmers are a bit, you know, out of touch or not really up to date with the latest technology." And that could not be further from the truth. They are mm-hmm. they have like GPS tracking and auto steer in their tractors. Um, agronomy is really really technical and scientific. They're looking at the latest world studies all the time, the latest species, the latest disease developments. They read countless like research papers and articles they're very clever um I I feel guilty for thinking that farmers were just kind of out there pottering along growing things it's nothing like that at all they're really at the forefront of like food production and technology and sustainability all those things like it's so impressive um so yeah they're really just working hard to keep people fed and to keep Keep and those so the income going.
0: that you get on the farm is mm. predominantly from the sheep and that's the lamb the
2: lamb's meat and then the wool from the sheep We yeah it's a part of it is sheep that's definitely a big part of it another big part of it is the broad acre dryland cropping so some of the crops we have and and we're certified organic as well with the aco so if this is for people in Australia. If if ever you're buying something organic, it's always you should always check that it's certified um, mm-hmm. because anyone can say that something's organic. But if it's not certified, then it doesn't mean jack. Like we go through a really strict auditing process every year. Um, we have to prove that no chemicals touch those things. And for people with intolerances, and it's a very very stringent process. Um, but we have chickpeas, wheat, barley, spelt, um, yeah, lentil. Wow oats, um, what, yeah, what we do a like a full plant rotation. Plant like? Oh, they're really groovy. Like they, um, they're they about. <laughs> well, Thomas is groovy, uh, so,
0: you know, to be fair, that makes sense. Also,
2: <laughs> they're like 20 centimetres high and they're almost yeah. like a little bush, like shrub type thing, and each chickpea is in its little pod. And when they're green, they're actually really delicious. We go out in the paddock and you can like, they're a bit like um, when you snap them open, it's that really satisfying little like pop, and yeah. and you open the shell, and then the chickpeas in there. And sometimes you get two in the one in the one pod. But um, trying to describe it, it's like a little tiny shrub, and there's many chickpeas on the little shrub.
1: I just had a look at the uh, like. I knew you were going to Google this as soon as this happened. (laughs) Yeah, but hang on, hang on, hang (laughs) on. So good. Uh, Last year, I germinated some lentils just because I wanted to see like what a lentil plant looks like, and the leaves look very similar. They, they, yes, obviously related in some way.
0: You germinated them, Tarius,
2: in Germany. (laughs)
1: Thanks, (laughs) thanks, Emma.
2: Thank you. So good. So good the German germinator the germinator I am the the germinator
1: (laughs) you've been germinated so
2: good
0: (laughs) day made okay well I feel like Darius's next visit to Australia it's gonna be like first stop hey mom. second stop we're driving to Millie's farm. Farm, um, um, Come oh, to the set. farm. <laughs> come to the farm. We'll do oh, yeah, a so the, reunion, the... like Kat, me, Darius. We're just like going to get in the car. You're great. Just down. So it
1: come be like on. A, we have
2: so much space and room.
1: Like a, a healing holiday where I get over my, my sheer terror of, of horses.
2: Yes, you,
0: why not, right? Horses, we'll do horse therapy. You, you um, eat an apple like a horse. Like, oh, it goes through a memory of Darius eating an apple nearly at high school because <laughs> he eats the core, and it just reminds me of yeah. like when you give a horse an apple <laughs> and they just go chop, chop, chop. Darius eats that. an apple like that. But nothing is, I can't, wait to, is I can't, I can't wait, wait to see to that. I can't wait to see that. Um, that, I just oh, don't sorry. stop
1: eating, like, where the core happens. Like, you just keep eating it.
0: You do realise the seeds it's all have, like, cyanide in them or something. Yeah, but
1: how much cyanide <laughs> is going to be in it? It's a risk I'm willing to take.
0: Like, if it's, it's, okay only the the horses, horses. it's okay for it's, the much. it's okay for
1: the dairies. That's right. What's good <laughs> for the horse is good for the German.
2: <laughs> the German eater. Well, um, um, Emma, sorry, you asked about... Um, yeah, the other part of the income is yes. sheep and, yeah, and that's wool and meat. That's right, yeah. So yes. we have a merino um, merino wool enterprise. So our wool is really beautiful, like it's so really beautiful. soft. It, it's not like itchy, scratchy wool. Um, a lot of the wool is actually sold through China or it goes to Italian soups or like really beautiful stuff and and then yeah the other part of it is is meat um, consumption like lamb yeah we do a certified organic spring lamb it's really delicious really yeah sustainable like all our sheep are just out in in beautiful um green pastures like there's no high Living density feed lotting stuff oh like so much and travis like he really is just so passionate about it and cares about them. Like he'll he'll spend hours trying to help a you, which is a female sheep deliver a set of twins that might be stuck or um like he's yeah really gets in gets his hands dirty. If if one doesn't have a mum, he'll bring it back. We'll bring it in front of the fire and we'll we'll hand feed it bottle. Bottles of milk and the kids will raise it and that'll be a pet and we'll keep that one forever and it'll follow us around and like it's a really sweet yeah it's pretty nice we take we take super good care of (laughs) it.
0: That lamb, like, again, I'm going to call it Mongolia because it's such a, and, and for Matt and I, yeah. being in Mongolia, we actually both decided, and I'll have to, you know, get your advice at some point, we want to have some land, probably not like 4,800 acres, <laughs> uh, maybe like maybe like one acre or two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. We'll start with that. We'll work our way up. But in Mongolia, they just, so, like, um, they've never had a famine because they've always had livestock. They've always had um they were so good at raising animals and so yeah we stayed at this one place and they had the lamb like so they had lamb that had been I guess dried um from the last autumn and so then they were cooking that up and me you know sometimes like you you know we're in the middle of nowhere we're cooking it up we'd already had our dinner so I was like I'll just watch I'll just watch but Watch this lady just get this lamb, cut it all up, make this meal, and then you know presents it to us. I'm like, oh, gotta try some. Like, I can't be rude, and I also be like, oh, germs and stuff. But I was like, okay, yeah. thanks. Oh my god, <laughs> the best lamb I've ever tasted in my life. Because yeah, these animals just live freely, and they that's yeah. their that's their livelihood. So they take care of them, and then yes, they do eat them because that's how they live. And it's just yeah. It was
2: just really wonderful, you know, circle of life and all that. <laughs> what an amazing experience! And hey, if you ever get a little bit of land, land and you have a few sheep and you need them sean then just ring us and we'll come stay, and I'll get Travis to shear them for you. So uh,
1: yeah, we great. have three sheep. Could you fly up to Queensland, <laughs> please?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, I like, would be so be on that plane. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would be on that plane faster than you could say "Don't come." Like we're going like, to do go. farm swap, Millie. We can have farm, farm swap. swap. Like,
0: you know, like oh, it's like wife swap but like um, a wife, <laughs> wife swap, farm swap. Yeah. But yeah. You know, yeah. But please bring Trav because he's the farm man and we need him. <laughs> we're like, nothing's wrong with He's the coming. one we can do it. <laughs> he's the Help one he can do it. Not me. Oh man. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we are totally going to have to like, um, we're going to wrap up now, but we, I feel like there's going to be a part two because, um, oh, you know, gonna be, uh, we're going to be, we're going to come to
2: you and we're going to do an, a live episode from
1: Ah, yeah in Serviston.
2: Serviston. i look forward to the i look forward to the day that that can happen and and i just want to say like thanks so much for for having me on i really do live in a a real tiny little part of the world and and it's you know to a lot of people it's not very exciting it's not very international i'm i'm really just an ordinary girl living an ordinary life but it's a really beautiful life and and yeah i feel really blessed to be here so
1: from 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 what we've learnt the past half hour or whatever, it seems everything other than ordinary. It, it yeah. sounds uh, very special.
2: thank you. That's real kind. And yeah. look, come come and see it. Come visit anytime. time. Like the people here are wonderful, and yeah, it's great. And we open that up to the
0: lovely travelers lovely travels listeners too. Just you know, because yeah. Darius's house it has an open house policy. Uh, that's so the right. farm has an open you've got a bit more space than Darius's apartment though. But um
2: We we got room. We yeah, got room.
0: Open door policy on this podcast. If you come on, <laughs> you're welcoming guests. So
2: look, I'm pretty sure if you end up in service then somehow and say, like, um, I'm looking for Millie, like someone will direct you to me. Like that's how small house. it is. Yeah, they'll be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'll take you. I know, really, yeah. Jump take it into this you. Way, So <laughs> Yep. <They'd laughs> so true. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks,
1: thanks for your time, Millie. Um, great hearing from you after all these years as well.
2: Oh, lovely to see you guys too. <laughs> Thank you. Ah.
0: Oh, my gosh, I didn't want that to end. We had to, like, keep wrapping it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I tried to wrap it up a few times there. I, I could listen to Millie talk about farming stuff for hours.
0: We are absolutely committing to this here on the podcast that we will go, Darius and I will go and visit Millie and uh, do an episode from there. That would be super cool. Yep. Yeah, it would be really City fun to do a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, so... As we said at the start, uh, you can be on the podcast too. So write to us at info at lovelytravels.com. Uh, you can also uh, contact us on Instagram, Lovely Travels, and uh, through our Facebook group where we have a, a great conversation going on. So make sure to come and say hi.
1: Yeah, we look forward to hearing from you all and uh, make sure you get in touch. It could be your big chance to be on a podcast. <laughs>
0: Uh, we have some more countries coming up soon, so stay tuned because we want to keep following this adventure to every UN recognized country in the world. And uh,
1: can we give them a sneak peek of, 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 some of the stuff that's coming up in the future without being too.
0: Yeah, we can tell them we've, uh, soon we will be, uh, talking to a wonderful lady who used to work for uh, world vision. Uh, her name is Susie Sanofsky. We've got an episode coming up about Mexico. One of my Mexico. favorite places in the world. Um, and then there's going to be a few follow-up episodes about Mexico because a little bit something special happened there this year. So um, my wedding. So we're going to have oh. a few episodes. The wedding episodes. The Stay wedding tuned.
1: episodes. Oh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: You get to interrogate my husband.
1: Oh, is he going to be on it? Yeah. Then I am looking forward to it a little bit. A little yeah. bit sarcastic there, but now I'm really <laughs> excited.
0: Oh, you're getting to see the real, real stuff here, guys. Um, we're also going to have India, China, Nepal, Vietnam, Austria, Indonesia, Peru, South Africa, and more.
1: And more. <laughs>
0: There's so many more. I've got 64 countries to cover. I'm really not going to rattle them off right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if anyone has anything to say about any of those countries, um, let us know and we'll work it into the episode.
0: Yeah. Thanks, guys. See you next time.
1: See you next time. (sniffs) Bye-bye.